The following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system from Fantasy Flight Games, a show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both a player's and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Chris Holmes. How you doing, homie? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, sitting here in the middle of a blizzard. Yeah. It has been snowing since... Midnight, two nights ago. Happy so. April. Yeah, happy April to you too, man. I thought it was fuck. I thought it was supposed to be fucking spring, man. Ah, uh, we had nope. freezing rain last night. Nope, that's not happening. No. So you're probably you're probably getting some of this coming your way. So. Yeah, it'll be here tomorrow. Yeah, with that. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. Just been vegging. Yeah, me too. I've kind of. Uh, kind of took a weekend to relax the last three weekends have been moving into my new house and getting everything set and good things are finally starting to settle down a little bit still got to clean my old apartment and whatnot but other than that it's been a relatively nice slow weekend got to play some pathfinder yesterday sweet i'll be playing some of that this coming saturday my buddy uh ken was running his um pathfinder campaign and it actually got really good we had a lot of fun good so we get we we stepped into character and it just uh, everything flowed last night. It was a lot of fun. So. so you so you won then. If you have fun, then that means you win at role playing oh. games. If you're having fun, you win. I thought I I <laughs> thought I I thought I win if I get drunk. <laughs> awesome. Damn it! Damn rules change every time. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we got any news? From the round the interwebs? Yes, we do. Um, we have a release date for Realms of Tiernoth, buddy. It's coming Yay! out this Thursday. Cue a cheering noise. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> no, granted, they 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 had that release date a couple weeks ago, but like mm. it was like two days after we after we recorded our last episode. So, ha <laughs> So hopefully we'll have that in our mitts in a few days, dude. That yeah, April nineteenth. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and you know what's ex- you know I'll I tell you I watched I was looking on the the fantasy flight form there for the message 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 board there and um in one of the threads I think it was it's off the boat thread or whatever somebody dropped a couple hints that it's a fairly beefy book there's about fifty to sixty bad guys nice. You know, Hopefully a damn dragon. NPCs, dragons, undead, etc. That's what they said. I'm like, yes, I can't remember who it was. Um Sweet. and okay, so there's this talent called that it's a kobold talent called Not Another One. Now what you can do is if the players roll a threat, actually if they roll two threats, 
could kick off this talent, and it you could spend those two threat and add another kobold into the mix. It's like pops up out of nowhere, <laughs> which is freaking awesome. Or you could spend a despair and add a whole minion group, <laughs> which hell, I'd freaking do that anyway. But having a talent to codify some of this, this sets some precedence, man. I like it, dude. I want to give that talent to Jawas. That's what I want to give that talent to. <laughs> but no, there's That'd um, be funny, dude. That is a cool talent. I love it. Not another one. That is sweet. Well, I like I like bringing in using the threat and despair to bring in more bad guys. You know, which we've kind of used before, but I don't know. This this just codifies it a little more, and it's pretty sweet. Me, I've always swift, uh, flipped a story point. Like do it. a lot of you know, a lot of times my my players will be sitting on like one or zero story points. So I will add another minion group just to throw them a bone and give them another story point because they can usually take out minion groups pretty easily. Yep, there you go. That's cool. But yeah, that's really all the that's big news. Yeah, know? and then they haven't announced the next setting or anything yet, which I'm expected is going to be that Android setting. Oh yeah, that, that's my guess. That's my guess. Well, the what the president of FFG said in the in Gen Con that that was going to be the second one on the docket besides Realms of Terranoth. So oh well, then there you go. Cool. It's not it's not official because it wasn't in writing, but it wasn't a speech, so I guess it counts. I guess so. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> so let's see. dude. Do we have any listeners out there that are feeding us back? Yeah, we had one particularly loud listener that we wanted to give some uh, airtime to this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this uh, We had a couple of lengthy uh, questions from uh, Mr. Jamie Pearson, mm. the uh, the Nerds International guru, the king of the RPG brewery, the uh, one-eyed Pearson monster himself. So if he's the king, would Stefan be the queen? I think Stefan's probably the queen of the RPG brewery, right? I don't know. When I, I always say that when I hear Eric Lamaru and Jamie fighting, I say mom and dad are fighting again. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Love you there, Steph. <laughs> All you guys. All right. So uh, yeah, Jamie sent us uh, an email. At, uh, hey fellers. So I have this house rule that I've used in the past, and I wanted to run it by you guys, and hopefully you can talk about it on your show. We're doing it, dude. Yes, we are. Uh, it's about ranged range bands. Uh, I don't like anything that can't be beyond <coughs> its listed range band. Me neither, dude. Uh, I think it's not accurate and ruins characters to not, or ruins characters to not even be able to attempt. Um, my house rule. This is what he puts. Let's take something that is a ranged weapon, like a DEW pistol from the Weird War setting in the book. Uh, it has a listed range of short. My house rule works like this. You can shoot at any range band with standard difficulty. But with each range band past its listed range band is a cumulative amount of setback dice. One for one additional range band further. Two for two range bands further, so on and so forth. So a weapon with a listed range band of short shooting at long range would have a difficulty pool of three purple and three black, one for medium and two for long. Um, I honestly don't think this is game-breaking in the least and actually gives the Genesis that Genesis feel of uh, just because my sheet says I'm not good at it doesn't mean I can't try it. So what are your thoughts on this house rule? 
so I had something I typed up, but you want me to go ahead and say it, or you want to say what you feel about it first? Um, well, actually, I kind of I kind of like what what Jamie came up with there, increasing the difficulty and adding a setback per range band after the first. I haven't really had a whole lot of experience um, GMing in those situations, and it seems like it works for them, so that's pretty cool. But what, what's what's been your experience, Tom? Well, I, I mean, I, as far as a house rule, it works. Rules is written. You can always run rules as written, and the game will not be broken. Right. But if you want a house rule, uh, I, I ran with a similar rule when I ran. Uh, there was this internet supplement called Sky Wars, Edge of the Kingdom, and it's kind of this um, steampunky fantasy um, completely – steals from star wars everything about it yeah um and i ran that for a while with my friends just to see how this system would handle other genres and um in that system a lot i found that the ranges of many of the weapons were too short for airship to airship combat because we had two airships flying beside each other and they're at long range usually uh for mm-hmm. for the players whereas it's close range for the two ships I didn't want to increase the ranges of the weapons at risk of unbalancing them for other encounters like when they were on the ground. So uh, I let the players take shots outside of their listed range increments on their weapons, only I I was a little harsher than Jamie was. I increased the difficulty by one automatically and added a setback die per range increment. So what that means is, Mm. so uh, to use his example of a short weapon, being fired at long range or being fired from the bow, a pistol being fired from the bow of a ship to the bow of another ship is what I was using as an example there. Um, it was four purple and two setback dice, four difficulty dice, two setback. Oh. Uh, and okay. my reasoning for that is because uh, there's more chances for threat. Uh, on the purple dice than there are on the black dice. Uh, the black dice have uh, two blank sides, I believe. And the purple dice have one. So mm-hmm. at, to me, it seemed it was more difficult. Uh, as you're trying relatively an impossible shot with a pistol from that range. Um, it also um, reduces the chance, with more threat being there, it reduces the chance for the players to get critical hits. Gotcha. Which, just hitting at that range is the benefit that they're shooting for not necessarily getting a really really lucky shot gotcha and it doesn't devalue your sniper weapons that can shoot at that range at all that's true that's true yeah actually i i can go with either of those (laughs) now that i think about it i'm not decided to be honest i mean that's the only instance when i when i used it was during the ship to ship combat yeah Uh, yeah and during that game i haven't done it in star wars uh, because honestly, it does encourage the players to carry an array of weapons mm-hmm. um, in a in a sci-fi setting, right. uh, where you know I've only got a pistol. I need a rifle because I can't hit at long range. You know, I could see I could see um, using Jamie's with like laser pistols and such, but mm-hmm. maybe more of your conventional weapons with the spin, you know, with bullets that have a trajectory. Maybe use yours. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like with bows and arrows or crossbows, in like a fantasy setting, 
use um, maybe use yours just because it's a little more getting beyond that range, that short range or or sorry, that medium range or long range is just going to be a little tough. Oh yeah, and and I even added in more setback dice conditionally for the wind up there and the high in the air and stuff like that too oh, yeah, yeah, at the time. True. So that um, is true. But yeah, yeah that's. That's kind of what I was saying is that it's it's setting dependent. If you're going to use that rule, I wouldn't use it in every setting because, I mean, in a sci-fi setting, you want to encourage the players to have different weapons, I think. True, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so Got to have them spend so, those credits. Yeah, so those are those are a couple of options for everybody out there um, if you had those that same question. So yep. use either one of them or don't use either one of them at all. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Okay, and then uh, Jamie had a second question for us. Yes, I, yes, he did. Um, he he texted me the other day, and he asked, defense rating, how does it work versus magic? Now, we're going to get into a little more details on what defense rating means and what soak means and all that kind of stuff because of this episode that we're going to be talking about this, but... Um, I, I texted him back and said that I I would play it as normal, you know, for every for every defense um, you rating you have, it's a one setback die, and it would be versus say a magic, the magic attack action. Now I wouldn't use that defense rating versus a like a mental attack or you know or what a I curse mean? or a curse or something like that. No, no, no. It's more of a, I'm going to try and hit you. I have armor. Maybe I have cover those kinds of things I would use it against. And obviously if a summoned creature would come and attack you, then it's just normal. Then it's just the regular creatures attack versus your attack. So yeah, that's what I say. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I have used it for magic. I, I, when someone is targeting another, creature or player with a magic they mm-hmm. you know they i'm going to do the standard magic missile a bolt yeah. out the long range of uh magical force energy yeah apply their defense uh it's it's armor it's there for attacks right um, you don't apply their defense to um in star wars to mental uh attacks um made with the uh force force power right but um and then the only real attack that they have in that setting is uh, the Force Lightning, the mm-hmm. Unleash. And that, I do believe, takes defense into account. I'm not 100% sure on that one. Gotcha. Though. I'm not sure if – I would probably – I would even use move, you know, the move um, Force Power if you or, – or maybe even in, in this magic setting too if you wanted to like throw something at somebody – Right, like using telekinesis or something, I would mm-hmm. definitely put some some defense in that too. Whenever you're trying to hit somebody with an object, an attack, magic attack, ranged attack, melee attack, yeah, I would say defense comes in. That's why yeah, I play defense it. defends against all attacks, whether they're magical or regular. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Now on the. Um, Oh, that was it. Sorry. <laughs> I think that was reading the show notes. Yeah, I thought there was more. But uh, no, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and as far as you said about summoning a creature, that would, creature would attack normally. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Defense doesn't really matter. Or matters there. But mm-hmm. now, oh, here's one thing you could do uh, mm-hmm. if you wanted to put in um, an increase in difficulty on the spell because you want the spell to bypass armor. 
I would say I would say that'd be a nice augmentation for mm-hmm. the you know something to add to that table. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a piercing or yeah. something. It either yeah. bypasses our armor, so it ignores armor, or it'll bypass a certain amount of soak. You know, pierce rating on a spell. Um, yeah, that's yeah. that's doable. I would say so. Definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Okay. Excellent. Well, I think I beat that question to death, man. I think we did. I think we did. <laughs> <laughs> From the one-eyed Cyclops. Thanks, thanks for those, Jamie. Yeah, Jamie, thanks for those questions, man. And right. those of you out there, if you want to ask us anything, feel free to feel free to email email us or go to Facebook and find us and drop us a line. Yep, or Google Plus, or you can even comment in the show on Podbean or iTunes or wherever or YouTube wherever you find us. That's right. Those are all the places they can find us. <laughs> yep. So right. you you want to get into the the Book of Genesis, my man? Let's get into the Book of Genesis, dude. We got a big topic to talk about tonight. Yes, we do. Round one, fight! That's the name <laughs> of episode for the Book of Genesis. Yes, everybody. We're going to be talking about, this is our third part in our three-part series on skills. And this time we're talking about combat skills. And what we are also going to talk about are combat encounters, the combat system. I know you guys have been waiting for it. Yeah. So here, here we go. <laughs> it's a big, beefy, heavy-handed subject, but we'll get through it. It sure is. We're not going to get into excruciating details because we can have many, many shows on that. But um, let's first list out. Let's go through these combat skills. Now, again, um, these are on page. Uh, let me go to that. 67 in the book of Genesis. And they're laid out just like the other skills where they have a description of what they are. Um, what setting is suggested to use them all in, um, when you should use this skill, when you should not use this skill. And our first one is Brawl. That would be your, I don't know, your martial artists, your fisticuffs guys, guys that have, that have your brass knuckles, the guy that have to just fight with their hands and feet and body and whatever. Right? Yep, one punch man. The one punch man. That's yeah, right. No. Yeah, Brawl uh Brawl is an overall overarching combat skill that covers all unarmed combat. Now right. there are brawl weapons like Chris mentioned, like the mm-hmm. fancy brass knuckles that just enhance the damage that your fists do. Yep. They might reduce a crit rating or something too, but um yeah, that's about it. But yeah, if they're just your um and then it also goes it can also go into whether you want to grapple somebody whether you want to pin them down and hold them down or those kinds of things and it's your like Tony said your unarmed combat martial arts those kinds of things wait there's no separate rules for grappling no thank the lord <laughs> above <laughs> like thank every the other system gods. out there <laughs> exactly no make a brawl check oh you pin them <laughs> you know yeah it's pretty cool all right, next skill on the list is melee. Melee is also brawn-based, mm-hmm. and melee involves every hand-to-hand attack you're going to make with a weapon. Uh, it's usable in steampunk, weird war, modern day, science fiction, just about everything. That's right. Because you can have vibro knives, you can have uh, halberds, knives, swords, spears, um, 
the list goes on and on. Dwarven Warhammers. <laughs> yeah. Um, War axes. Uh, this does not include any projectile weapons of any kind. Uh, it is strictly melee. So if you want to throw your dagger, that falls under a different skill. That's right. Now, now they, yeah, they have they have broken this out. Now there is just a melee brawn skill. Mm-hmm. But then they've suggested that in some settings, you may want to break those out into melee light and melee heavy weapons, which believe your melee light weapons would be your one-handed weapons, and your melee heavy weapons would be your two-handed weapons. Correct. So I know I broke I broke those out when I was doing in my Thule um, setting to break those out. And... Yep. Uh, and and it is suggested in the book here that your fantasy setting is where you want to break these down, because in a fantasy setting, a lot of times they will tell you that the next group of skills we have mm-hmm. are a broad skill as opposed to a breakdown. So what's that next one, Chris? The next one would be our ranged attack, our ranged, and that would be linked to agility. Now brawl and melee, and and your melee light and melee heavy, those are all linked to your brawn skill. Your ranged skills here are linked to your agility. Uh, skill or characteristic? Characteristic. Sorry, did oh. I say brawn skill? It's Sorry all good, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then of course your range—that's everything that you're. You if you're throwing grenades, if you're shooting a bow, if you're shooting a laser pistol, if you are shooting a crossbow bolt across an alley to that has a um, what do you call it? That has a, uh, a line attached to it that you need to repel through, and you need to hit what's over there. That's what you would do. Okay, cool. So. Yep, uh, it's pretty much that. And then it breaks down into two different skills, just like Melee did. Mm-hmm. And in your more modern settings, your steampunk, your weird war, modern day science fiction, space opera, all those listed, you'll want to have because of the broad range of weapons from archaic bows and throwing knives all the way up to plasma weapons and Gauss rifles, you'll want to break that down. You'll have your range light, which would be your one-handed small pistols, throwing daggers, throwing grenades, that's ranged light. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then your ranged heavy, which is anything that will require two hands to carry. Uh, Shotgun, a... um, A rifle. Anything that yeah, anything that needs a tripod to use, like a machine gun or a sniper rifle. All those are going to fall under ranged heavy. Mm -hmm. Yep, and I think I, you know, and I believe I broke, even though... Primeval Thule is a fantasy campaign setting. I broke those down too because I wanted I wanted to personally split up your thrown weapons versus your two-handed shooting like crossbows and bows just because, but, you know, that's just me. They don't have to. Hey, it's your setting. You get to write yeah, it the way you want to. All right, man. Hey, what's our, what's our last one here for our combat skills? Last one here is gunnery. Gunnery is agility-based. And gunnery is not the same as using your ranged heavy weapons. Gunnery is for mounted weapons or weapons you're going to use to take out vehicles or vehicle-mounted weaponry. Yep. It is not for handheld laser rifle, even if it's the biggest handheld laser rifle. You you can still use ranged heavy. However, if you're using a grenade launcher, missile launcher, a heavy rail gun, a big plasma cannon, things that would be in a gun emplacement, 
things that you would set up a machine gun nest for Mm -hmm. or missiles from your starfighter or missiles from your jet plane anything like that that's all gunnery yep um if it requires more than one crew to operate it falls under gunnery (laughs) right yeah if there are multiple people that have to set it up and use it like I'm thinking, like the big, um, you know, like the mortars and cannons, like in the, like the Civil War, right, or American Revolution or the Revolutionary War, all those time periods where they have cannons on a pirate on a ship on your pirate ship, you know, those are crews yep. that have to do that, and that would be gunnery. Yep. Most well, contrary to what Hollywood wants you to believe, an M60 machine gun is not really well handled by one person. Sorry, Rambo. Sorry. No, it's a two-man gun. <laughs> That's a gunnery skill. <laughs> yeah, but man, he he wielded it so well <laughs> in that movie. Come on, man. <laughs> he took out it's Hollywood. Town. I give him a lot of levity. <laughs> hey, and you know you can totally and you could totally do that with your players too, because some of those some of those settings out there are just made for made for like action movie type action and if that's what you're into you know let your rambo character use ranged heavy or gunnery it doesn't really matter yeah. uh, if he's using ranged heavy i'm increasing the difficulty there you go if he's firing that thing from the hip i'm giving him <laughs> setback dice <laughs> yeah buddy if he's going that weird side cock mouth uh yell while he's doing it like rambo did i'd probably give him a boost die i would at least give him a boost die maybe two <laughs> Especially if he spent 20 minutes getting all half naked in his t-shirt with his bandana tied around his head. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh Uh-oh, we better stop. I think we're getting Stefan excited out there. Uh, Who? No one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right, So, So, yeah, so those are the combat skills. Um, Yep, short list. Yeah. But they pack a lot of punch. Yeah, I I see what you did there. (laughs) That was pretty good. Okay, so we got another section to cover here. Yes, so let's get into these combat encounters. And those are those start, it's chapter 6, on page 95 in the good book Genesis. Yeah. So when we're talking about combat encounters, we're talking more of a, what they, what they consider more of a structured gameplay. Where we're going to have by turns, round. round by round. We're going to have turns. Um that everybody's going to take. So how do we set up? What do we do first, Tony? What do we well, first is, yeah, as a GM, you, I mean, as soon as you're ready to leave round zero and your social encounter is over and you're ready oh, to, that's right. <laughs> you're ready to go into round one and mm-hmm. fight, uh, you're going to need to roll initiative. You got to determine the initiative. Like every other game out there, there's a way of doing it. There's two ways in Genesis, and we talked about this briefly when we talked about the general skills and the social skills. Um, There's two different skill checks for initiative. The first one is cool. Cool, you're going to roll if you have set up an ambush or you are aware of your opponent's imminent attack. Right. And then the other one is? Vigilance. That's one where you're not aware of what's going on. You're walking down a path, and you're getting ambushed. You would roll. Okay. That group would roll vigilance. 
What if you and your party walk around a corner and there's a bunch of enemies that were walking around the corner at the same time? That would be a vigilance check from both sides, in yep. my my eyes. Yep, yep. nobody was aware there was going to be a fight. <laughs> yeah, and then and then so what will so then once you roll initiative, what does that initiative roll mean, Tony? And how do we do it? And it's going to be a simple roll, which means no difficulty die. You're just right. going to pick up your pick up your the dice pool for your skill and roll it. And what does it mean? Well, there's a hundred different ways to track initiative. I have my own little system here. What, Let's just pick mainly, one. <laughs> yeah. I what I do. What you need to know is that you're going to rank their number of successes or their number of um, um, hits, whatever you want to call it, uh, from highest mm-hmm. to lowest. And uh, then you'll use uh, advantage uh, as your uh, tiebreaker, your first tiebreaker. Yep. And then your second tiebreaker is that PCs go before NPCs. Mm-hmm. So if I have three party members and one monster, and my three party members all roll one success, but one rolls one advantage, one rolls two advantage, and one rolls three advantage, and my monster rolls one, ad- one success, one advantage, everybody's going to go before the monster. Yep. Absolutely. It's, now, there is something, there is one other little tiebreaker you can use. Mm-hmm. Triumph. Yes. Um, if anybody rolls a triumph, they should go before, in my opinion, if they roll a triumph, anyone who's tied with them, they should go before them. Yep. Yeah, me too. I normally, what I do for triumphs, if triumphs are rolled on this, I always have that person go first or at least create a initiative slot the first initiative slot and i normally allow them to either take a free movement or an action before anybody else goes yep. um just because it's cool and you don't roll them very often well if you look at you the, the the spending um triumph and advantage in combat uh table there is one where if you roll a triumph you get a fr- you can take a free maneuver Immediately take a free maneuver. That's normally what I do for my players. There you go. That's good. If if they roll uh, a, a triumph during initiative, I will give them immediately a free maneuver. So those characters without quick, quick draw might actually be able to get their weapon out without having to use a maneuver. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. And the the way and the way that I keep track of those successes and advantage, I normally create a decimal number. You know, like one point two, meaning one success point. To advantage, you know, so that, and then I write them down or organize them that way um, mm-hmm. if we need to. So then, so, so that creates our initiative slots, whether it's Correct. a PC slot, a bad guy slot, a PC slot, PC slot. Then we just, we just start taking turns, right? Pretty much. Uh, it's a free form initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means we're from round to round, the order of the players and of the NPCs can change. Right. It's they'll still use the slots in order, but let's say you in the first round of combat you want your thiefy type guy to get a backstab in because he was hiding. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets to go first. Makes right. sense. And he may have and um, there are talents out there that allow that allow him to maybe get a boost die or maybe extra damage if they go before everybody else. So that's kind of where you want to, you know, 
talk about it at the care at, at at the table between players you know hey let me go first if i go first i can do this and all that kind of stuff so it's kind of it's kind of cool it's a little it's a bit different than any other initiative system i've ever played yeah same here so. and so and then you go into round two and let's say you are the last player to go in round one mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you can't go right away again in round two if you didn't let's say you had two things you really wanted to do and the gm yeah. said ah sorry dude you just don't have enough maneuvers and actions and strain to do all that that you want to do mm-hmm. then plan on going first in the next round so that you can finish your move yes exactly exactly um, yeah that's totally cool it's a it's a great way for players to use group tactics, and I see it all the time. Except yeah. for with my Grognard group, because I got to say this: I got one. We got one player that in all all the years we've played uh, D twenty games, he never rolls anything higher than a nine for initiative. <laughs> and so when we Genesis or when we play Star Wars, he always takes the first slot. <laughs> Because <laughs> he never gets it any other time. No, no, he's an old grognard. He's an old grognard, and I do remember in the day, D twenties had zero to nines on them. That's <laughs> yeah, it. Way back. And you needed to color the other ones a different color, yo. <laughs> that wouldn't be the die he's using, is it? <laughs> no, no, he's 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 pretty stepped into the 21st century. He uses dice rollers most of the time now because oh, he's gotcha. one of my one of my guys that skypes in pretty regularly. Oh, okay, so. sweet. <laughs> nope. And he's got to use another uh, program. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Cool. But uh, I just thought I'd throw that out there because I think it's hilarious. We 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 were commenting on it last night because it was still continuing with uh, Pathfinder. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So then, so then, basically, it's rinse and repeat. You know, you keep going through your rounds of combat until it comes to a point where you, as the GM, decide combat's over. Not everybody mm-hmm. has to be dead. Not everybody has to be, um, you know incapacitated or anything maybe your bad guys give up you know and then you can come out of the encounter right might give up <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. you're fighting gun guns today <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly exactly so so that's in a in a nutshell that's combat all right next no now, well <laughs> there is something we got to talk about at the end of the encounter because this gets missed a lot um yeah see and i'm missing it, it right now aren't i yeah uh, and and even I miss it from time to time. As mm-hmm. soon as that encounter ends, the last thing you do is you have your players roll either a cool or a discipline check to regain any lost strain. And that also is your indicator to them that any once-per-encounter abilities that they have or talents that they have will reset at that point. Right. And again, that's a simple check. No difficulty dice mm-hmm. with it. Um, it's just their skill roll, the cool or discipline. Yep, and one success equals one strain regained. And I have a house rule, and you you and I have discussed this before. We both mm-hmm. have the same house rule. We made it up independently. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, two advantage equals uh, one additional strain. Yes, yep, that they get back. Absolutely. And I always, if they roll a triumph, uh, they get it all. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, so I normally do that too with with the, when they're recovering strain and they roll a triumph. Yep. Cool. So, so oh, go ahead. I was gonna. I was gonna. Um, just segue, buddy. Segue. Segue, and so we are going to segue. Hopefully, I won't go off a cliff. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> if anybody knows the reference to that. Um, 
it's a turn. So what? Do, so yeah, I'm taking my turn, right? You know, we've gone through these rounds of combat, but what does that mean, man? What can I do? What can I do during my turn? Well, there's three things you can do. Okay. You you can um, each one has a separate list of things that you can do with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is incidentals. Incidentals are minor activities your character can undertake to requ- that require little to no effort or time. Um, dropping a broken radio, speaking to a friend, switching on a stun baton, switching it on, like turning it on. Um, these right. things are all uh, incidentals. Um, Don't take any and, time effectively. Yeah. And there are even talents that turn other actions into incidental actions, like quick draw turns drawing a weapon, which mm-hmm. is normally a maneuver, into an incidental. Which is a nice segue because that's the other, that's the next type of activity thing you can do, the type of action you can do. There's mm-hmm. a maneuver. Well, not an action, but type of thing you can do during your turn is a maneuver. You can move one range band closer to somebody. You could you can aim a weapon at someone. And if you aim and you've seen you've heard Tony and I do this as we're giving each other boost and setback dice and all this while we're doing our advantageous threats and such, you could take a maneuver to aim your weapon, you would get a boost die. You can also take the aim maneuver and try and shoot at a particular location on somebody. But instead of taking a boost die to that, you would take two setback dice. Yeah. For that. And then, you know, diving behind cover, that's important to do. That will give, that will grant you or give you defensive, basically a defense rating or give them setback dice to hit you. Those are all maneuvers. What's the next thing, man? Well, the last thing is actions. Mm-hmm. Actions are anything that requires a skill roll. Doesn't matter whether it's shooting a gun, interacting with a data pad, starting a car, or dr- trying to drive a car in combat. It does not matter if it requires a skill roll, and you may only make one of these on your turn. Correct. One. Yep. Doesn't matter. So if you have you want to drive a car and fire a gun out a window and do all these other no. Can sorry, a lot of times Genesis is mm-hmm. the yes and system, but when it comes to your turn in the round by round, only one skill check, only right. one action. Now, you could still drive your car, but mm-hmm. if you're doing some complex, you know, drifting maneuver, <laughs> you know, and that requires a skill check, a driving check. Then shooting at the same time, probably not. Or you can combine it into one check and just make it more more difficult if you want as well. That's the part that I was going to get at. So as oh, a GM, cool. yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, as a GM, don't I don't always tell my players no when they want to try something that combines a pair of actions. I just pick the more. Um, I usually let them pick the skill they want to use between the two mm-hmm. they're better at. But then I apply appropriate difficulty. Yep. An appropriate setback based on what they're. If you're trying to perform a high speed skid in your car while shooting a gun out the window, and you say, "Well, I've got a range light of three, and I've only got a and, and three agility, and I've only got a uh, <laughs> driving of two uh, with two agility," I'm gonna go ahead and make the shooting roll. Okay. Well, then you're focusing more on the shot, less on the driving Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna apply a bunch of setback dice to your shot and increase the difficulty maybe even give me a reason to spend a story point to upgrade that 
That's right. And I'm going to spend my story point to upgrade it because, you know what? That's a cool-ass maneuver. <laughs> hey, spending a story point because you're doing something cool is a, always a valid reason. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All so, right. yeah. And then, like, maneuvers, uh, how many of those can you take in a turn? Well, you can take – you get one for free, which doesn't quite stress you out too much, strain you too much. But you can only do two – maneuvers in one turn and if you maximum. take a th- maximum if you take that second maneuver um you'll have to take two strain on it as well or or you could cash in your action to do it you could cash in your action to do it but if you want to take two maneuvers and an action then you're going to take a couple of strain correct so um some most of some of the things that the two maneuvers that that i've that have been happening that i normally do and I've had other players do, especially in the last uh, Beyond the Rim game that I was running for Jamie and them. Um, they were taking time. They didn't move or anything, but they had set up and they double aimed, which means mm-hmm. you get two boost die, and mm-hmm. you also t- get two strain as a as a gift as well <laughs> for that. So that's okay. totally legal. People might not think about doing that, but you can do that. And then um and then those those are kind of. That's, that's kind of an overview there on page um, 97 on that. And then there are, then they go into more details, into incidentals, yeah. more maneuvers. Uh, it goes into, like, the aim, goes into the assist maneuvers. So um, whether you're and mounting or dismounting, you know, getting on or off an animal, those kinds of things. Um, one thing to note here, I just wanted to note something. I don't mean to talk over you, yeah, buddy. No problem, um, uh, the incident because I just noticed it and I it's something I do intrinsically but not everybody notices it. Incidentals, the very last paragraph here. Uh, one other note: generally, when char- it isn't the character's turn, an incidental is all they can perform. Oh. There is nothing wrong with you yelling something to another player in mm. character when it's their turn and not yours. Mm-hmm. If you haven't gone yet or you didn't use your incidental on your turn, go ahead. Do it. Yeah. I yeah. got no problem with that. And 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 the rules say that it's perfectly fine. And there are also talents that turn some maneuvers into out-of-turn incidentals and so on and so forth. But I just wanted gotcha. to note that. Yep, that's a good, good thing to note. Good thing to note. Yep. So uh, we're talking also about the types of maneuvers. Mm-hmm. That they list here in this broad overview of maneuvers. Yep. Um, we talked about aiming. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one that you can do is assisting. Um, in combat, you can assist another character um, because let's just say you can't think of anything to do, <coughs> but you want to assist someone. Um, Let's—I mean, good example. You're you you and a friend are trying to manipulate a. Um, piece of machinery to use against the enemies and everybody else is firing their guns mm-hmm. and the two the mechanic and his partner are trying to get it running yeah you can assist them by and all you do is you say i'm taking the assist action or maneuver and you get to uh assist your partner there and uh, you have to be within engaged range to assist most of the time Yep. Um, there are some things, you know, if you guys have a rope between you and it involves using the rope, I'll adjudicate that as, okay, yeah, sure. short range, you're fine. Yep. But usually it's engaged range. Um, that means right next to them. Uh, and you just add a boost die to their check. 
That's all you do. Cool. And that's a maneuver to do. So you still take your action. Yeah, that's still a, could have taken I, your action in your turn. Yeah, and I always forget that too sometimes. But that's only that's only a maneuver to do. Mm-hmm. And then if you're thinking, and people, if you're thinking of like um, fighting defensively, or there's something called a guarded stance here, where you can perform a guarded stance maneuver where you take a setback die whenever you attack, but you also gain <laughs> a defensive melee defensive one, which means they'll get a setback die to hit you. Yeah, as well. Wizards so. out there, keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, uh, dive exactly. for cover, take the guarded <laughs> stance. <laughs> all of that that's all right yeah uh, <laughs> it'll help you uh no and then the next thing you can do is interact with your environment moving a large item opening or closing a door taking cover as i said um yep. those are uh, all a single maneuver that you can take and uh what's the next one um we have mount or dismount and a beast a bird oh, you skipped one did i Interact with the environment. Oh, manage gear. Oh, yeah. So you're drawing, drawing a weapon, um, swapping weapons, um, reloading. reloading. Those kinds of things are a maneuver. Yeah. And then mount or dismount. That's right. And typically, those don't, that wouldn't require a skill check. But if it's an untrained animal, then it'd be a survival, an average survival check. And that would make it an action because it would, Take you a little longer to do if you wanted to jump on that freaking cyber saber tooth tiger baby and run it <laughs> in and run it into, into combat. <laughs> mm, I'm not looking forward to that day. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, and then the last one here is, of course, why it's called a maneuver. You can move. That's you right. can you can you can cover one range band. You can move from short to medium range, mm-hmm. or move from engaged. To disengage, uh, engaging with an opponent is a maneuver. So you're moving from short to engaged range. Mm-hmm. Like right next to him. Yep. Mm-hmm. In that melee range. Um, yep. And then, you know, they do cover, like, the range bands. As we get into those a little more, it, the reason I didn't list lawn or extreme range, because those kind of have their own different little rules on movement. A little bit. Did apply? Yep. So. Yeah. And then, what's the last one here? We have a couple. We have two more. There's one um, drop prone or stand from prone. So if you drop the prone, you're going to take one as a maneuver. You can take, it'll be one setback die to attack you from ranged. And then um, you will also allow people to, you will grant them a boost die to hit you with a melee attack. Or brawn. <laughs> or brawn, right. Yep. And then they've got a huge sidebar here about flying. Basically, mm-hmm. their rules for flying are flying's just movement like any other movement. That's the long yeah. and short of that sidebar. <laughs> That's right. There is another one called prepare. And mm-hmm. some some weapons like that M60. You know, he had, you know, Rambo had to prepare that, you know, I mean, he had to, he had to oil up a bit and then he, had, then he, he had to load it, he had to oh, strap boy. it on, right? And, <laughs> and there's a prepare call, time. Somebody call Harrison Hunt, we need to grease up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So then there's plenty of, and then those are maneuvers. Those are, I mean, uh, the rule of thumb there is 
if it doesn't feel like a free action, something free that they would want to do that doesn't really take up time, or if it doesn't require a skill check, it's probably a maneuver. If it yep. falls right in between there, then it'll be a maneuver. This is not an all-encompassing list. There are other things you can do. So, you know, like swing so, from a chandelier. Yeah. That'd be a maneuver. <laughs> well. It might require maybe. a skill check, but we'll see. Yeah. Might be a mover, a maneuver combined with a skill check. No. Yeah, exactly. Now, the next part here is, um, now, we've gone over incidental um, actions, types of things you can do, maneuvers, but now the main part of your turn would be an action. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in this, you can do what, Tony? Any skill check. Yep. That applies to combat or applies to the environment. Exactly. And we already mentioned another one is exchanging that action for a maneuver. So you can move beyond, you know, in your range bands again. Mm-hmm. And then you can also use spend some, some abilities require an action to activate, like mm-hmm. casting a spell. Mm-hmm. Though granted, that's a skill check, so it's kind of the same thing. But there are talents that require a um, an action to activate. Mm-hmm. And I have oh, a feeling some of those, what are they called, heroic talents. Heroic, heroic actions. Or heroic whatever actions, I bet you those will be actions to take. Yeah. And then, why are we here, man? What is the other thing that we can do? As Perform a-, a combat check. Nice. All right, this is the nitty gritty here. Mm-hmm. This is this is um kicking somebody in the nads. It's to- shooting somebody in the face, <laughs> right? <laughs> so there's yeah, and there's simple steps you go through to do a combat check. First thing you do, you declare your attack and the targets. There you who go. You're, who are you hitting? If you have multiple targets and and you have weapons capable of that, uh, two weapon fighting or auto fire, blah blah blah. Yep. Yes, multiple targets can happen. There you go. Next thing, assemble the dice pool. Mm-hmm. You're going to put together your positive and negative dice pool. Now, the you can put in the majority of your negative dice pool before the any uh, GM modification happens because for each weapon for each range band and for each type of attack there is a static difficulty correct correct so for melee and brawl what's that one it's going to be an average check that's going to be two two difficulty dice always mm-hmm. now that's before any upgrades before any armor is applied right. anything like that right and then based on the range... Yep, on page 102, uh, mm-hmm. that's table a, table 6-1. Yep, we have our ranged attack difficulties. So mm-hmm. engaged range is easy, plus modifiers depending on the weapon type. Now, mm-hmm. there's some notes there we'll get to in a bit. Right. Uh, also easy at one purple difficulty is short range. Mm-hmm. And then medium range is two. Yep. Long, and that's average. Uh, long range is hard. That's three. And extreme range is daunting. Four purple difficulty. Exactly. Exactly. And then, um, and then in our, yeah. No, go ahead. I was I was just gonna say in our um, 
in that question that, that Jamie had sent in in our previous segment there, we were basically just adding difficulty to these. In Tony's example, the way, the way that he would do it was just add a difficulty. If you only sh- can shoot to medium range instead of the long range being hard, it would be a daunting check for you know, so those were some of the tweaks that we had made to it in our, in our house rules there. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I didn't add one difficulty per range band <laughs> instead of just one is because you can't go above five purple difficulty or an impossible. Right. Um, so, yep. um, so at a extreme range would increase by one. It would become yeah. an impossible shot. Right. So, so we've got our dice pool. We've got our dice pool assembled. And mm-hmm. we roll it up. Now, yep, if, you're, to... if there's no additional modifiers, like mm-hmm. you could just roll right there, static with the, the based on the range or based on whether right. you're doing a melee combat. You're right, and 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 this would be that when step two there, when you're assembling your dice pool, that would be the point when you would be adding your boost dice. If you're aiming, adding two. If you're double aiming, um, adding setback dice. If they have defense, if they're or in cover. cover, right? Um, if they're adversary. If you're shooting mm-hmm. against someone who has an adversary talent and GMs, remember your rivals and your nemeses, whether they have your adversary talent or not, because those are free reds, man. Those are free chances for despair. Um, I have it permanently <laughs> put right here on my freaking uh, desk, a post-it note that just says adversary with three exclamation points because I have forgotten it so many times. <laughs> Yep, that makes a difference. That yeah. makes that that makes that rival stay one extra round or two, <laughs> and not be some such a chump for the yep. uh, for the uh, characters and such. So we roll our dice. Yep, now and that determines whether you hit or not. Yeah. Then you roll your damage dice, right? Nope. You what? don't roll your damage dice in this man. Oh. Because what you do is for. Every success that you have, you're just going to add one damage to your base weapon damage. So say your knuckle dusters do brawn plus one. Well, I have a brawn of three, and then they do plus one, so that's four. Well, so that's my base damage of four on these knuckle dusters. And if I smack somebody in the face and I get three successes, I get to add three more damage to that. So it would be seven damage okay. to it. So I have a pistol that's got a damage rating of five, yes. and I rolled three successes. I get to do eight damage. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. So you're not rolling to hit and damage. You're just rolling. You're just rolling your skill check, and your successes add to damage. So you'll at least be doing. If you hit, you'll be at least doing plus one damage. That's what it boils okay. down to. Then all after right. that, then you have to figure out all the other weird symbols on a dice. Yeah. Your advantage and, and threat. And that's where we your advantage and triumph. I mean, yeah, no, we, you've got it. You our advantage and triumph, and then our despair and threat are handled in that order. Uh, advantage and triumph always handle those first. Get them out of the way. Yep. Uh, usually, um, I've had occasions where players are like, "Can I see what my despair result was before I get my trope two triumphs?" And I'll be like, "Yeah, fine." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. And um, but, the, and how to spend those? There are tables on page. What page is that? One hundred four. Table six two and six three. That's spending advantage and triumph in combat and spending 
um, threat and despair in combat. Mm-hmm. So, but those are guidelines. You don't always have to use those. No, no, those just give you an idea of what but you need to do. Key things to remember: um, advantage. The crit rating on your weapons is activated. That that number is how many advantage it takes to activate a critical. Right. Yep. Um, and then there's other things that that you can do with your advantage that affect combat. Um, enough advantage you can disarm your opponent for free. Enough advantage you can knock them prone. Uh, and, and, uh, with a triumph on a minion group, you get to kill an extra minion. Those are things or knock out an extra minion if you're not in the killing mood. Right. Um, that Those are all ways that standard combat round play, round by round. Keep those in mind because you're going to use those the most. Yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> pretty much. And then the last part of adjudicating a combat check is applying the damage or reducing the damage from soak so say Tony shoots at my character with that pistol and does eight damage, and I'm um I've got like some padded armor and I'm behind cover, or whatever. Um, you know maybe I have a soak value of three, in that case. So he does eight damage to me, and if my soak value reduces that damage to it would reduce that damage to a five, and then I would apply that to my wound threshold, the number of wounds I have. To that, so I would have five wounds at that point. Okay, what if I was firing a stun gun? Does the soak apply to the uh, the strain that it would do? Yes, the strain damage yes. that you would do. Yes, it does. And then instead of applying it to my wounds, I would apply that to my strain threshold. Mm-hmm. Instead. Yep. So. And then the last thing, if criticals were activated, then you apply a critical injury. You roll on the critical injury table. Mm-hmm. Which I do believe they have nearby I think that's here. In six table six ten page one fifteen. Yeah, I knew it was here nearby. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, that one's pretty solid. Or you can have your handy handy dandy critical injury deck like I do, and just find the card. There you go. Fan- Fantasy Flight produces it for Star Wars, and it's the same as Genesis. Uh, exact same chart as it's a deck of cards. That applies those critical hits, and it's very easy to manage what players get what critical hits. You can just hand them the card. Here's your crit. They yep. get to read it. You can move on. Very handy resource if you're sitting at a table. Yep. Um, and yeah, uh, cool. Yep. Yeah, so that's uh, that's pretty much how a combat action is done. Yeah. So you select your targets, assemble your dice pool, roll it, add your damage. You know, get your and uh, you know you, you deal your damage, mm-hmm. you resolve your your threats, your advantage, or actually you your advantage and triumph, you resolve, then your threat and then your despairs, then you apply the damage, apply the criticals, and then um, go to the next person <laughs> after that. Yep. Now there is something. Um. Some weapons can modify your critical... Maybe maybe we could talk about this during the critical injury area, but they do mention it here at the bottom of this page on page... uh, What page is it? 103. 103, 103, that last paragraph, where if you have enough advantage to to activate more than one quote-unquote critical injury, 
instead of rolling on the table twice to do two two critical injuries or more, what you do instead is you would add ten percent to that roll. And you know, I made that mistake about the first year I ran this game. I just <laughs> ran let people activate multiple criticals instead of rolling instead of just adding ten percent to the critical activated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> slowed combat down quite a bit. Don't do it, folks. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so if you're so if you quote unquote trigger your crit more than once, you just add ten percent to the rolls right, so we, there. Right, and we got a couple other notes here um, to just kind of cover briefly uh, in this state on page 104, 105, where it talks about melee and range defense. Yep. Um, there is a key thing to remember here. It says uh, no character can have a defense rating higher than four. Yeah, I didn't. I just read that and did not notice that before. To be honest. Yeah. Which is good because I only have four Genesis setback dice, so. Um. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Would have been giving them all away. <laughs> no, no, uh, I have a lot more Star Wars setback dice. That's for sure. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And and like I said, and like we said, mentioned before, for every defense rating that you have, you grant the person attacking you a setback die. Mm-hmm. So and also, so so, where do you get those defense ratings from? Well, they come from armor, mm-hmm. from cover, they come from certain talents, and they come from the guarded stance maneuver. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so defense is always accumulative. Uh, if you get one defense from your armor and one defense from your cover, it, it's two defense. Is it really? Yep. Hmm. I do believe. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I think you choose the best one. Oh, you know what? You it says right here. Yep. I'm an idiot. Yep. You're right, my buddy. It says right here, the sources do not stack with each other. I read it wrong. Uh, if a character could benefit, and I knew this. <laughs> yeah. Well, you get the best one. If you have uh, two defense from cover and one defense from your armor, it's not three defense. It's just two defense. It would be two, right. Yeah. So, yeah, and then they mentioned just below that, a if there's a source that increases your defense... Instead of so there's a so there's a subtle difference, provides yeah. a defense. Things that provide defense do not stack. Things that increase your defense, like a magic spell barrier, right? That would that would increase your defense, and that would um that would add to your defense. Cool. Yeah. All right. I think that might have been where I read that. It was just like for Genesis, this is different because in Star Wars, I ran it the other way. But anyhow, neither here yeah. nor there. <laughs> I have slept since the last time I ran this game. Sweet. I'm not responsible for what comes out of my mouth sometimes. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, and then it talks about your soak, um, where the soak sources uh, come from. Yep. Um, your, your, your default soak value is your brawn characteristic yep. to start with. And then, and then you may have other sources, talents, mm-hmm. Uh, your armor mm-hmm. um, spells. Some spells will provide you with uh, extra soak. Right. Um, right. And it applies to what if you're hit multiple times from the same source? Um, you get to apply your soak separately to each hit. Like if somebody's auto-firing on you, you get yeah. to apply your soak to each hit in that regard. Okay. 
You know what? I think we just probably have a second mistake that you and I have made. I'm reading right here. It says, soak does not reduce strain inflicted on a target except in specific instances such as when the weapon is designated to do stun damage. Right. Yeah. So you. So if you flip your. So in our case that we did, it's mm-hmm. doing. You. Your weapon is doing stun damage. I do reduce it. Now, there is a stun weapon quality mm-hmm. that does not. Right. Get, you don't it's get a, to reduce your strain. It's, it's a stun. subtle difference, and we didn't mention it, and that's Very why subtle. I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. So. Yep. Because I just mentioned stun gun, which <laughs> it says right in the weapon's description that it does stun damage. Yep. And so a soak is still applied there, but if there is some other effect that does strain damage to the uh, to them, uh, you do not reduce it by soak. Right. Yep. And that's where and and again soak is where you would um where you would when you're applying damage, you reduce the damage first by your soak value, um, mm-hmm. and then you would take your take your wounds and. You know, you have a wound threshold there, and the way that I've done it is I count up the number of wounds I have. Mm-hmm. You know, if I have five wounds, I have five wounds. If I take three more, I have eight wounds. Because once the number of wounds you have goes over that threshold, then things happen. Mm. And we'll talk, get into that a little bit later, too. But Or we could talk about it now. Dude, it's our show. We can do whatever we want. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about it right now. Let's talk about it right now. Yeah. So if you um, so if you do take more wounds than what you have for a wound threshold, what happens there, Tony? Uh, you're incapacitated. <laughs> yeah, you are. And that's when the GM does his happy dance. Are like, you dead? Instantly dead? No. 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 It, it does depend, though, <laughs> because you could. When, yeah, because when you do take that 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 attack that damage that does take you and put you in an incapacitated state you also take a critical injury yes you do now and you're also considered knocked out which means you cannot act you cannot do anything once you've been incapacitated and knocked out uh and you Mm -hmm. you're you no longer can do any uh can no longer do any actions and you no longer take wounds right and there and on page um, 113, there's a sidebar called States of Health. And I think that mm-hmm. might be where you're reading it from or you're looking at. Tony, yep, there's I'm a, in that section. You're either, either unwounded, you're either wounded, or whether you're critic, you're maybe either critic, you could be critically injured as well mm-hmm. or incapacitated, like Tony said. So if you So if you are critically injured and you take another critical injury you actually have to add 10 to your to that critical injury roll. Yeah, because it's on a, how many of uh, depending on how many critical injuries are affecting you at that time. Correct. So, and then when you go incapacitated, you take a critical injury. Now, if you take additional damage, let's say someone throws a grenade into your group that you're laying prone, <laughs> knocked out. No no GM would ever do this to that players would be who have a total dick move on a DM, DM. DM, yes, I said DM out there, bitches. Man, I'm or shaking GM. my head at you right now. Or dude. GM. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I've done it several times to groups <laughs> where where uh, I knock a player down. That's the perfect time to throw a grenade because um, you can toss extra crit every uh, 
time a character is injured. It's not every time they're every wound they take, but every time they're right. injured again after going incapacitated, it's yet another critical hit. Gotcha. And it is increased ten percent for every critical they already have. <laughs> Plus ten. So um And I do believe yeah. you continue to add to your damage as well. You just mm-hmm. don't go back to what they call quote unquote zero from a D shift seven D game or whatever. You if you take damage, you add to it. And you have to get healed that much to get back down below your wound threshold. Right? Um, I never remember it being that way, but um no. I would have to pause and read it to know for sure if you're right there. Mm-hmm. But uh that's I've way never I've played always, it that that's, way. That's the way I've always done it. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'd have to pause the show, and I'm not going to bother with that right now. Uh, maybe I'll answer that as my own question for next week. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's actually – it's okay, so it is. So you do. If it exceeds a wound threshold, the player should track the number of wounds they they have exceeded to maximum twice the wound threshold. Oh, okay. The character must heal wounds until the number of wounds are suffered below their wound threshold before the character is no longer incapacitated. Now, so I if guess your wound threshold is 10, you will keep track of it up to 20 then? Yep, that's what I think. Yep, that's oh. what it looks like. Yeah, see, I've never, I've never bothered that. I always just, when you hit your wound <laughs> threshold, you stop. <laughs> but hey, I guess that makes, uh, <laughs> makes healing a little harder. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I'll call that a house rule in my a house rule in my household then, because yeah, why track it once it's over the threshold? Meh. This isn't D and D. Well, it does matter because if you're taking those stim packs or those health packs and stuff, mm-hmm. those get reduced right every time. Yeah. So diminishing returns. Yeah. You might not be back in the fight until a day or two later. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I'll if have that's to give fun that for you, if that's fun for your group to do that, you know, you could totally take these for what they are and their guidelines, their rules, their guidelines. Yeah. However you want to, however you want to do it. Okay, so let's talk about strain at the strain threshold real quick before we leave this section. Yes. Uh, so when a character has suffered uh, strain greater than their strain threshold, they become incapacitated until their strain is reduced so that it no longer exceeds their strain threshold. Mm -hmm. They are likely unconscious. They may just be dazed or staggered or in a fetal position on the ground, whatever (laughs) narratively fits you as a GM. Uh, When NPCs or creatures suffer strain, they generally apply that strain directly to their wound threshold unless they are a nemesis. Right, right. Yeah, so GMs out there, when you have your minions... Minions can't take strain, can they? I don't Mm-mm. think they can. Um, they but, can't take voluntarily take strain either. But rivals can, and you notice. Well, if I, if he takes strain, where do I take? Where do I? Where do I count it? It does. Is it just free for for rivals to take that extra maneuver? Nope. Mm-hmm. They have to take wounds instead. So if you do strain to a to a rival as a player, that's actually going against their wounds. So, and you okay. can and you can narrate that how you how you want. Um, if somebody goes, if your rival takes strain and that takes them incapacitated, I wouldn't necessarily kill that rival as a GM. You know, I would say that they're unconscious; they're still alive. They could still, you know, interrogate them, that kind of stuff. Yep. 
So. Oh yeah, that works. I've done it many a time. Oh yeah. All okay, right. so you know, in um, in our fashion here, we skipped past the uh, the description of range bands. We skipped F, uh, over <laughs> yep. additional combat maneuvers and actions. We can get into some of that stuff later. I don't we honestly think we need to cover improvised combat. weapons or all that right now. But no. the range bands we should talk about just a little bit. Though I do have one question for you. Mm, shoot. How do I die in this game? Oh, yeah. Well, if you look at the critical injury chart on page one third, what is it? No, sorry, one fifteen. Yep. Um, critical rating one hundred and fifty one plus. Yep. Dead. Or one hundred and forty one to one fifty. The target dies after the last initiative slot during the next round, mm-hmm. unless this crit is healed. The end is yep. nigh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, those two crits right there are pretty much the only way you die through mechanicals. Right. There's also, looks like bleeding out is another one. Oh, is Until it? Until this critical, this is 131 to 140. Until okay. this critical injury is healed, every round the target suffers one wound and one strain at the beginning of their turn. For every five wounds they suffer beyond the wound threshold... They suffer one additional critical injury. Roll mm. on the chart, suffering the injury. And if they roll, unfortunately, a 151 or higher, they die. They bleed out. They die. Okay, so it doesn't actually kill them. It just means they could t- potentially roll that mm-hmm. higher number. Right. The 151 okay. or higher is the you're dead, completely obliterated dead. Um, yep. But they, these last two tiers before that, you still have time to save your character. Yeah, so. and there's also narrative death. I've had <laughs> a person hit with a ship weapon before. Wow, and that just makes him into pink mist. Yep, pretty right? much. I mean, narrative death. Narrative um, death, yeah. Yep. Um, For all those stormtroopers that were on the Death Star... Yeah, I don't think you yeah. really had to keep track of their wound threshold for all yeah. those minions. <laughs> think they <Nope>. got them. <laughs> yep. Right. If you're in a yeah yeah no, there's that one stormtrooper who blew who didn't blow up in the Death Star because he miraculously never rolled 150 on his death save or on his uh, uh critical crit- injury rolls. <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> no no. If if there's a narrative reason for absolutely everyone to die on and usually when a vehicle explodes or when a huge weapon or effect goes off that just creates mass destruction when that ancient red dragon you know like lands on you Mm. right i mean yeah you're done (laughs) i think you make a splort noise i think you make a splort noise yep Yep. (laughs) all right so let's see so that i had to ask because Mm. no it's all good Myself, I take it for granted that I can't ever die, but I do. <laughs> I, I lose characters all the time <laughs> in all kinds of games. Um, so we were going to talk range bands now. Yep, and so the range bands in Genesis are narrative, like everything else. Yep, a little, um, abs- little more abstract. You're not using you're, a grid. Don't have you're to. Not, nope, you're, you're not, not talking squares. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, don't bother with that. Uh, right. You have you have five range bands. Mm-hmm. So the first one is engaged range. Yeah. 
that reflects two or more targets that are in within hand-to-hand combat range. Yep. Um, two characters engaged with each other are in very close ex- close proximity, so to speak. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that pretty much, I mean, I don't think there's a limit on how many people can be in generally who can be in engaged range with you, but I generally don't allow more than four or five. Yeah, I mean, I would I would think of, you know, I think we all kind of play play with miniatures anyways, mm-hmm. and maybe I'll have a battle mat and whatever. I mean, you can't. I mean, you can kind of surround somebody with, you know, four or five is actually a pretty good. A pretty good number, you know? Right. Okay. And then the next one? The next range would be short range. And these are t- this is typically your range um, where you could pretty much talk to each other without maybe raising your voices. Um, you can move within that range as a maneuver. You can move to engage range from short range as well. Um, and these are typically, you know, your, your thrown weapons and your pistols, you know, those, those ranges. And if you want to codify it for feet, I've always used somewhere around your 30 foot range increment. You know what I mean? If Mm -hmm. you're playing another system or whatever, if you have a battle mat on there, I would consider 30 feet and shorter, short range. Yeah. It says here several meters. So, you know, yeah. Even you could even call it ten feet if you wanted to. It all depends on you. It's your narrative style exactly. in your <clears throat> in your game. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you and, would typically, um, and what you would typically do as a GM when you're describing the scene, when you're walking through, hey, you know, you guys are are walking into this bar. You could say, hey, from the front door to the back wall is about medium range. You know, the, 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 the bar about halfway, you know, maybe right in the middle of the bar or, or this um, inn or whatever um, is probably short range away, you know, so to kind of give people an, an idea of what, what you're talking about as far as ranges go to. Right. The next one and, would be what? Uh, next one's medium range. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be several dozen meters apart. Uh, this is usually uh, a pistol reliable pistols long you know your desert eagle or your large laser pistol whatever those are generally um the ranges for those kinds of weapons uh it's kind of out of range for thrown weapons mm. uh two people at uh, medium range from each other uh they need to shout uh or talk loudly i should say sure. they can't be whispering to each other that's for sure mm-hmm. And moving from short to medium range requires little exertion. It takes one maneuver right. to move from short to medium range or from move from medium to short. Yep. Yep. All right. What's next? And our next one is long range, which is farther than medium range. <laughs> These are like your your rifles, your mounted guns, <laughs> um, the weapons that might use the gunnery skill too are ones that you would do. Um, you basically need to yell at each other. To hear each other as well, and moving between long range to medium range requires two move, two maneuvers to do, and to go from medium to long range is two maneuvers as well. Because okay. it takes a bit more. It's it's almost a um, it's kind of a uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't remember the word. Forget it. Keep going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
All right, so the and then the final one here is extreme range. Now that covers the maximum range that any weapon could hit at. The maximum range that two targets can interact. Exponential, exponentially <clears throat> increasing. Yep. Think of it that way. That's the word I yep. was looking for. Exponential. Ah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, high tech sniper weaponry and vehicle mounted weapons. Some of them mm-hmm. can reach out to this range. Two people at extreme range may not even be able to hear each other. Right. Uh, even if they shouted, moving between long and extreme range can be time consuming and exerting. It requires two maneuvers. Yep. So no one is moving from extreme range into engaged range ever in one action. <laughs> There's just no way no. because you got two for extreme, two for long, one for medium, one for short. There's no way. Yeah. It's going to take you three, four rounds to it's going to take four rounds to get next to somebody. So you don't want to start running at them with your battle axe <laughs> right. from extreme range. It's going to take you four rounds to get next to them. <laughs> You'll be like the uh, uh, Sir Lancelot and the Holy Grail, yeah. charging forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. With the drum roll. <laughs> yep. All right, so that covers your basic combat ranges and the uh, the ranged... Bands and uh, damage and wounds and critical hits. There's other parts of this whole chapter that we can get into later. The more fine-tuned combat things like two-weapon fighting and improvised weapons. Yeah. Um, But really, that pretty much covers all of our basics on combat. Yeah, it pretty much does. Yeah, this is actually pretty good. A good a good point to wrap this section up, actually. To be yeah. honest, because yeah, we could get into a lot a lot of other details on this, which we'll save for other shows. Sure, I sure. Think. And if people want us, if there's anything specifically you want us to talk about, and I believe we're gonna go over and talk about vehicle combat as well mm-hmm. at some point too. Oh yeah. So, All right. So well. Good. That I think that pretty much wraps up a simple combat section scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, section synopsis. That's the synopsis. word I'm looking for. Yeah, because I know what's on your brain. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure we're not going to talk about this next session. The no. first rule of Fight Club is what? Well, I don't know. I, I'm not allowed to talk about it. I know. See. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then let's get into let's let's run through. We're going to run through a combat scenario here next and uh we'll see you on the flip side all right all right welcome to fight club Genesis. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Genesis style or finding the narrative style. <laughs> so this one is a we're gonna run through a combat encounter in the setting set in Primeval Thule, the setting that I am converting currently and waiting for Tiernoth to come out so I could f- wrap it up <laughs> um, <laughs> and get all kinds of neat stuff. Um, and we have Tony, you are playing, who are you going to be playing? 
well, you gave me this character that I played uh, during the Con of the Cobb session that we had this past year, and I wanted to. I still have the character sheet. Sweet. So, uh, Sigmar the Calais Human Priest, a Crusader of Mithra. Yes, he is a sacred slayer. A as big well. bald man with a big big hammer. Yep, and I was basically inspired. Yes, Sigmar, everybody. It's a Warhammer reference, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this guy is the epitome of um, wielding a big hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, and the scenario that we're that I'm going to set up here is you and your buddies are dungeon crawling. You're in this tomb, tomb, not tome, tomb, um, <laughs> going through, and your buddies have just fallen to the level below. They fell fallen in a hole, in a trap or something right behind you. And as that happens, you f- you hear the scraping of metal on metal. You hear the moaning and groaning of bones cracking as well. And as you turn around and look, you have you're kind of st- have these skeleton warriors coming your way crawling out of the the walls and out of the crevices coming out of the darkness um you hear um sarcophagi a sarcophagi lid kind of kind of slide open it's okay why don't you roll initiative <laughs> will do all right, all right well i have a i have a uh a willpower of three and a vigilance of one. So it's two Tools. green, one yellow. So, right. and I had five successes, one advantage. Holy buckets of oats. Um, well, <laughs> um, for those of you following along at home, I am using the skeletons from the fantasy setting on page 146. So I have a group of three minions in each. Their vigilance is a group skill and they have a willpower of one yay and i get to upgrade that once so that green goes to a yellow and then Mm -hmm. i get to add an ability die and i'm not gonna beat you actually i got three successes and one advantage still not enough man i know did you get any (laughs) advantage on your roll one five and one Five and one. Um, what I have done in the past sometimes is when people roll for initiative, um, I allow them to spend their advantage on something in the environment. Well, um, I don't want them to spend mine on. <laughs> one advantage, something in the environment. Well, uh, the sarcophagus lid that uh, is nearby yeah. is kind of is kind of. It didn't fall all the way to the floor. It's kind of cocked a little bit. So okay. that if I end up wanting to kick it over or use it as a something I could flip later, it's easily it's ready for you. Sweet. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. I like that environmental effect there. And the environmental effect that I have is um, <laughs> one of the, uh, the the one of your buddies was carrying the torch. Oh. So it's a little dark down here, but you but you still have the torchlight from below coming. So I'm gonna give you a so you're gonna have like a setback die on this on your on your attack. Okay. For these things, so you can go first, man. All right. So first thing I'm gonna do, I'm gonna spend my uh, maneuver 
to draw my ancient mall of the undead slayers. Nice. And, like and I am going weapon. to Yep, I'm going to take a big, massive swing at the first group of minions. Cool. Um, as long as they're in the enga- engaged range. If they're not, I will probably take two strain to move into engaged range. Um, I was saying, you know what? We're going to say that these minions kind of got the jump on you a little bit because mm-hmm. you were worried about your buddies. So a minion group is at engaged range with you right now. Good. Okay, cool. So my... Uh, Ancient Maul of the Undead Slayers is a superior weapon, so I get a blue die automatically. Mm-hmm. And I have a brawn of four and a skill in melee heavy of one. So right now I have a three green, one yellow, one blue, and two purple for melee. Yep. Difficulty uh, uh, pool right now. Yep. And then so, you have one for being a uh, setback for being dark. Okay, got that. These guys have shields, so they have a one melee defense. So I got that. And I am good with that. Okay. So Actually, you know what? I'd like you to upgrade one of those to a red. I'm going to spend a story point here because you kind of got your back up against this hole in the ground. I'd already rolled when you said that, so I just picked oh, up my difficulty dice, and I'll just re-roll those ones. Okay, cool, cool. Right, that's that's fine. All right, so, all right, so, um, right right away, what I notice is that I have some threat, uh, okay. balance threat of two, and then I did get some success though. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Yeah, I had a grand total of five successes, two threat. Five successes, two threat. Okay, so um, so then how much damage are, is your attack going to deal? Well, the maul, this big weapon, does a grand total of nine normally, so I'm going to do 14 wounds to this what? group of minions. <laughs> Holy crap. Um, okay. So, because these are wimpy skeletons, and mm-hmm. you are a badass, you your 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 maul. You know how do you take these three minions out? Oh, I got three of them. Yeah. Well, well okay. So let me. So uh, let me actually explain this for the GM, the the new GMs at home, how you would handle minion groups here. So mm-hmm. I have a minion. I have three. Skeletons in my minion group. Mm-hmm. It has a soak value of two, a wound threshold of four. Now that means, because I have three minions in this group, is as a t- you multiply the wound threshold by the number of minions. So actually, I have twelve hit twelve hit points. I was going to say hit points. Twelve <laughs> wounds. <laughs> Darn it! I wish I, I think I may have to pay, pay some D shift seven D people. No. <laughs> Um, so basically what you would do on, on an attack, like Sigmar's attack here, he did 14 points of damage. I reduced that damage by the soak value of my mini group, which is a two, mm-hmm. which d- that leaves 12 wounds that he does to my minion group. And yeah. the first minion is gone after four. The second minion is d- gone after eight. The third minion's gone after 12, so he effectively took out this whole minion group in one swing. That's how yeah. that worked. What does that look like? 
So, and that's one thing we didn't discuss earlier. The combat check for an attack is not just for, doesn't have to be for just one swing. Correct. It's a series of attacks you took in that turn. Yep. So, what I do is I lift up my maul and I hold it back and I just take a huge baseball swing and I hit that first one right square in the center of the shield nice. and he goes bam bam right into the two behind him slams them and they just fall bones and dust on the ground nice well the two threat that you got are the bone shards that exploded off of this first guy that kind of cuts into you a little bit so you're going to take a couple of strain for that okay sounds good and that's what I, I you could spend um, a threat. You could uh, cause strain to the players. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm doing here. I'm just so. glad they're not kobolds, so you didn't bring in more of them. <laughs> huh. well, darn it. I messed up. These, 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 are, these, are kobolds, um, these are kobold skeletons. <laughs> that's exactly what they are. <laughs> Because right. instead of instead of um, instead of three in this next group, there are four. Because okay. um, <laughs> one comes out of the comes. So my other so my so now it's my turn. My minion mm-hmm. group is just gonna come up and start scratching you. And there are we're gonna say there are four in this group. Okay. So we have two for a brawn and melee light. They're taking their rusty blades that they're gonna start attacking you with. Um, that is a skill for them. So every minion after the first, I get to upgrade. So that I get to upgrade it three times. So these two greens go up to two yellows, and I get to add a a green. Okay. And it is a melee attack. Okay. What kind of defense do you have? I have a scale coat that provides one melee defense. Cool. All right. There is that. Um, yeah. So that's going to be my attack there. And that's two yellow, a green, two purple, and a black. Does that look good to you? Yep. All right. Here we go. Rolling on a book of Genesis. Oh, hello there. All right. So I have a... Those cancel. That cancels. I am left with a success an advantage and a triumph here okay um, let's see here so i think what we will do first off i have to apply my damage to you and that would be i get to add one to this so the blades do five damage so it's going to be six damage i have a soak of six you have a soak of six okay <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to do a critical hit to you. <laughs> and my advantage my advantage is um I believe I would like to maybe give you a setback die on your next attack cuz you're a little you're kind of on that edge there. And I can okay. really I can really end this combat right now and just push you down the hole. <laughs> If I want That's it. true. But I want to roll on the critical injury table because, you know, it's part of combat, and we're doing yep. combat. And I'm do, well, let's do this for our, for our, um, 
listener audience. Our listener audience. Here we go. Rolling. So with that, you take out your um, D100, and I rolled a 34. Go over to the table. Oh, I gave you. You are stunned. Ouch. That means you are staggered until the end of your next turn, Uh-oh. which is actually really cool for me because if I'm not if I don't if I don't if I don't remember this correctly, I think staggered means you are you cannot take any actions. You cannot I can maneuver, but I cannot act. You can maneuver but you can't act. Oh <laughs> until the end of your next turn. So next turn you can't act, basically. Right. Alrighty, and um, by the way, it's your turn. <laughs> uh, so for my maneuver, I'm going to take a guarded stance. Ah, very good, very good. Uh, so, and then for an incidental, I'm going to slide one hand up towards my chest and grab my holy symbol. Sweet, praying to the gods. All, All right. right. Go ahead. So... You took a guarded stance, so it's basically going to be the same attack I did last time, but I'm adding a setback die. Okay. Um, so here we go. Uh, oh. You know what? I yeah. think it's narratively, since I'm praying to my gods and I'm guarding myself with that big maul, yeah. I'm going to spend my story point to upgrade your check. That sounds really cool to me. That sounds good. All right. Here we go. All right. Well, it's good for you to know I did not roll another triumph. <laughs> Though I did roll, I did get another success and a threat. So again, one success, it's six damage, which you are a tough some bitch and you mm-hmm. soak that. Yep. That's mostly uh, his four brawn, but also two soak from his scale armor. Yeah. Yeah, he's a beefy so, dude. He's mm-hmm. a beefy dude. All right, and I have one threat here. How would you like to spend that on my guys? Well, I will take that as a boost die because these things are not prepared for the next thing I'm going to do Ooh. in round three, which is going to be my next turn. So I'll take it as a boost die for what I'm going to do. <laughs> All right, what you going to do? It's your turn. All right, so I'm going to... In that prayer to my gods with my holy symbol, I am going to exude Mithra's holy light. This is a predetermined attack that okay. uh, Chris has determined. It is uses the attack power um, in uh, oh, what you might call it in uh, the magic section, mm-hmm. and it has a uh, set difficulty of three purple because it uh, it increases. It's within short range of me it's an attack on multiple uh or sorry it's an it's an attack on one single target mm-hmm. um and but it's got two extra difficulty from the normal one because it uh increases the damage by to five i think it is i think so i think it's okay well okay so. I, well i built that i built that character with um what do you call it? With um, the Star Wars force rules. powers, yeah. So, mm-hmm. but I, I, the way I calculated it. Oh, you know what? It's one purple difficulty for the additional targets, and but I, I don't so. need it because it's one minion group I'm attacking. So, but True. anyhow, I'm yeah. gonna go ahead and roll it. It's uh, my 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 uh, divine spellcasting, which is two yellow, one green. 
I get a blue die that I took for them not seeing me praying to my god. Um, and the set difficulty of the power, which was three. And for for shits and giggles, I don't care whether that's different or not. All right, so anything else you want to add? Oh, a setback die for the darkness? Um, yeah, that'll do. That sounds good to okay. me, man. All right. Roll them. Alrighty then. Ooh, okay. I had a grand total of seven successes. No triumph, no advantage. Just seven what? successes. What? <laughs> I, my wow, boost die. My boost die and my um uh well, my boost die had one success on it. Okay. My uh one of my uh, def- uh purple dice is blank. My uh setback die is blank and then uh my other two purple die canceled out my advantage that i had rolled so i grand total of seven successes all right well then so for this attack action your base damage is six my bad i miscounted six okay it deals damage equal to characteristic listed so it's your willpower normally yes but in this case it's listed as five the so I no, think that it'll was be, it'll, no, it'll be built. No, it'll be it'll be your willpower. Okay. So yep. it's three. Three, and then because you did the holy damage to zomb to undead creatures, which is the basically this is what you do. You get mm-hmm. to add two damage per success. Oh wow! Okay, so oh wow, yes, <laughs> I did. Okay, so. Two damage per success. So, oh, that's how. Okay, four, that's how that would work. Five, six. So that's twelve plus the three. Fifteen total. Fifteen. All right. Well then, um, we are going to describe this as such. <laughs> you, <laughs> you grab that holy symbol, and you, um, the an energy wave of this positive positive divine light just kind of comes out from you and just destroying immediately three of these four minions that are on you and staggers this last one back into like the wall and you and it just kind of is just kind of stunned there for a moment we're going to say it's staggered so I'm going to allow you to take another another turn here to do what you want. You, these guys aren't around you. Well, I, I should probably catch up with my friends. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take a quick stab out with my hammer at that last one. Yep. And then probably leap down the hole after my friends. So, Sweet. all right. Sounds good to so, me, man. <laughs> uh, I've got his defense. I've got everything that free from the previous pool. Do you want to add anything? Uh, no, I'm good. Okay, all right. Uh, ooh, did not do so well this time. Um, no. One, two, three, four failures. One, two, three, four successes. So my failures and my successes are a wash. And my one, two, three advantage. And oh, I had a net of one advantage. One advantage, huh? All right. So what I'd like to do with my one advantage is that one that staggered back, it staggered into the sarcophagus. And fell back into it? 
fell back into it. And <laughs> that sounds good. Gives me that momentary lapse I need to uh, lift the lid back up on top of it. <laughs> awesome. I like that. <laughs> so you drop your hammer as an incidental, and you just kind of lift that lid and throw mm-hmm. them in it. Sweet. Then you can go find your buddies as they're calling for heels. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Sigmar! Sigmar! <laughs> oh, we need some heels from you down here. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, yep, that's a quick, short combat round, folks. That's, uh, what, mm-hmm. what's three rounds we ran there in a matter of a couple minutes? Now, mind you, right. it was one player, but it yep. doesn't go yep. slow normally, combat. No. No, it can. At, at times, it could. Um, yeah. And as you, as you all get better at creating your dice pools um, and adjudicating what, you know, reading the dice and, and all that other good stuff, um, the combat will go back faster. It might be slow. Yep. Slow at first, excuse me, Um, but it'll go by faster. Yep, and one thing I didn't do in my dice pool, for the most part, because we were just trying to do a quick combat there, is I didn't personally go through my dice pool and pick something out that kind of stuck out. Like, if I had, you know, if I had, uh, like, when I rolled uh, blank die on setback die, the the darkness didn't affect me, Um, that Mm kind of thing. Right. so some that's basically what am I saying? That's more of an advanced method of reading your dice mm-hmm. that you yeah. can you and your players can get into the habit of doing in the future. But right. initially you'll want to just take what's left over and adjudicate from there. Right. Yeah, and for me like the one of that that first that attack that made your character stagger, um I rolled a triumph on that uh what do you call it? Uh proficiency die. And mm-hmm. that's given to me because I had multiple, because I have multiple minions, and I could just see that these guys are just kind of hitting you all at once. You know, you just kind of get hit. Like you can't block all the attacks. Stuff. You can't block all the attacks, so you get multiple hits on you all at once, and it just ugh, staggers you there for a sec. So, okay, all right. So then, um, well, that's that was it. that section that we don't talk about. No, we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> okay. All right, man. Next to the next to our our favorite section coming up here. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. So, hey there, folks. This is advantageous threats our favorite section of the show and yours so this week for chris i have uh, let's see my character and i even gave him a name and everything so my character waldrick walderman a private investigator in a cyberpunk setting is pinned down by two thugs with full auto smgs in the front of a chinese restaurant i'm using the sushi buffet counter as (laughs) full cover nice uh and using the guarded stance as I try to shoot one of these thugs with my trusty handgun. Cool. So, I have yeah. an agility of three. Nice. I have a uh, range light skill of two. So, two yellow, one green pool. I'm. This is my trusty handgun. This is my signature weapon. So, I get a blue die for that. Cool. And 
Um, I also put down here on my character sheet that I have a cybernetic targeting eye that will give me a free boost die to aim. Cool. I don't have to. I don't have to uh, take the aim maneuver to get a boost die. Basically, awesome. I like it. I like it. Now I'm guessing these guys are outside, probably across the street, maybe in front of the restaurant, maybe medium range away. Maybe they're hanging out of a van outside. I don't know. Yeah, I don't care. Let's say that. Up to Let's you, say buddy. that. Yeah, they're a medium range away. Okay, so two purple difficulty normally. Okay, and um, they, you know what? I like the idea of them. They're outside. They're behind their motorcycles <laughs> that they okay. drove up on. They got some cover. Okay, one or two dice worth. Um, I'm going to say probably one because they're crotch rockets. Okay. Um, and your guarded stance would give you a, a setback die. Yep, I have that. And um, let's see here. I'm going to say that the sushi getting shot in the air in your face and all that um, ice getting flung around <laughs> will probably give you a setback die as well. All right. Um, you know what I mean? Just pretty chaotic. And I'd like to, and, you know, I would like to um, spend a story point too. Mm hmm. Saw that coming. Because there's a chance. That some of that sushi might be poisonous. No, I'm, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm allergic to fugu. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Maybe right. maybe yeah, maybe you're allergic to some of the things getting shot in your face. Nice. All right. Whatever we works here. All right. So I have uh, I have a substantial pool here. It's uh, two like yellow, it. one green, two blue, three black, a red, and a purple. All right. Let's see what we got here. All right. So first thing, all of the setback dice rolled if rolled failures. Ooh. Um, and so second, cover. Yeah. So nice. yeah, I got. I didn't hit. I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Oh like, really? Even with my free aim. Um. So yeah, I had a net two failure. Okay. And then one, two, three, four, six. Uh, three advantage. Three advantage. So, um, the thug that I'm shooting at, yeah, I didn't hit him, but I, I hit his bike. Nice. <laughs> and not only did I hit it, but I hit it substantially enough yep. that it blows him back on his butt, knocks him over. Yeah. Because the gas tank kind of explodes. Ruptures. Because yeah. this is kind of a Hong Kong action cyberpunk setting. We're mm -hmm. doing, and when things explode, right? Yep. In Hong Kong, action flight with three advantage. Yeah, I can, I can do that. You're, yeah, you're I in think. a John Woo movie. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I shoot the motorcycle in the gas tank, and it explodes in his face and sends him flying back. Doesn't take him out, but it sends him but, flying back. But sends him flying back on his butt. Now I only have one thug shooting at me this round. Hopefully, right. and he doesn't, ha and that guy doesn't have any more cover because you destroyed. It. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, excellent, excellent. Okay. That so. was a boring one. I rolled a boring roll. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. No, we made it We made it exciting because, his, because it exploded. His, yep. his uh, bike exploded. That's cool. Okay. All right, so I would like to take 
my character that I played in a Pathfinder adventure recently, mm-hmm. he took a sniper shot. While his buddy, Walter, the halfling rogue, climbed up a guard tower and stabby McStabbed and pulled down a guard off the thing. And there were two guards up there, and Yuri was back getting ready to um, shoot while Walter did. So mm-hmm. um, Mr. Yuri Warhelm will be firing his shortbow okay. at this guard. Now, Yuri is a more... Um, athletic dwarf than most, so he he has actually has a three in athletic in in agility. I mean, okay, mm-hmm. he has one rank in ranged. We'll call it ranged because mm-hmm. ranged, right? In mm-hmm. the fantasy setting, he is taking the strain to double aim. Actually, no, he can't do that. Actually, he will take the strain to double aim, but he is going for the headshot. So. Typically, when you aim at a body part, specific body part, it's going to be two setback die. But Mm -hmm. I'm going to double aim, which reduces that to one setback. Gotcha. Okay, and I am aiming at his head. Now, he is probably, I think we we decided earlier, he was at long range. Uh, It says here you put medium, dude. I put medium, but now we'll say that it's long range. It made more sense because I was across a bridge and he was up and all that. So this could be pretty tough. Um, I'd like to to do a story point here because my buddy Walter, mm-hmm. he's my little buddy, he's great. I always he always gives me he always inspires me to do well. So I'm gonna upgrade my check. Okay, and if I remember correctly, you had received some sort of um. Did you get a buff from the wizard also before you did this? I can't remember. Maybe I might have. Um, but anyhow, what does that do? Does that reduce I'm my gonna... my difficulty of my next check? I wonder if that's what in magic. I wonder if that's what enhance does. I, think I that's don't what know. Enhance I, does. I, we didn't we didn't uh, think about that when we wrote this up. But let's no, let's didn't. just leave it as is for now. Alrighty. So uh, you got three purple and one black right now, as far as the difficulty. Yes. Um. So you had uh, timed this um, mm-hmm. via – and when you would do a timed attack like this, you guys are basically setting an ambush. You guys would have rolled cool, and hopefully two of you rolled slots before the enemy. Right. Um, <laughs> so you guys would uh, basically do your attacks. You do them one at a time, but you're saying you're doing it simultaneously. Right, right. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and um, – <laughs> Oh, this was a goblin. Okay, so and the goblin had cover. We didn't cover that. So right. I'm gonna go ahead and give him one more black die for cover. All right, but I am shooting at his head. Right. Does that matter? That's no? why I gave you one instead of two. Okay. Because you're aiming above the cover. Right. Okay. Gotcha. But he could just at that one moment kind of move between move a couple of yeah or something. Okay. So sounds good. All right. Yep. All right. Let's see how successful I am here. All right, here we go. Um, <laughs> well, wah, wah, wah. poor Walter. <laughs> Everything washed. <laughs> oh, and that cover. I believe my arrow may have may have stuck right on a pole. <laughs> a post that the guy was walking behind. <laughs> okay. And unlike the. 
the natural 20 that I rolled <laughs> in D&D, um, I failed this roll. <laughs> right. Which is always possible. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, maybe with a buff from the wizard, you might have had a better shot, but... I think so. He might have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, cool. folks... That's advantageous threats for today. Was... Kind of feels kind of anticlimactic because we already went through a whole combat encounter. <laughs> kind of does, doesn't it? <laughs> kind of does. And it's not like this podcast is going almost two hours or anything. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Sorry. I've, I've, I've been very loud and obnoxious today. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, we're doing good. We're doing good here. <laughs> All right. So then let's wrap this puppy up, man. Sounds good. All right, folks, so that was it for our show for today. Chris, you got a uh, podcast in the network you want to shout out to? I would very much like to shout out to Matt. Give Matt and Ben from the Imaginary Ramblings, a West Virginia pop culture podcast. Yeah, that's kind of interesting to me, a West Virginia pop culture. That's cool, dude. You guys talk about, they talk about everything from Star Wars to end-of-the-world stuff like Waterworld to this Cabin Fever Beer Fest, and I believe they're playing Fiasco right now, too, so pretty cool. There You can find them on Pod, Podbean at imaginaryramblings.podbean.com, and of course, right. you can find them on the G Plus Network as well with us, so. Yep, and that's where you can find us over at uh, the G Google Plus ne- uh, Nerds International Network with a hyphen. Yippers. Yep. Um, you can talk to me on Facebook. Um, we are up over 100 likes over there on Facebook Woo-hoo. or followers. Woohoo! I know. Woohoo! Uh, there's we have literally hundred of listeners. We have uh, nice. <laughs> we have we have tens of subscribers <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> We have 50 subscribers, I think, on YouTube. Yeah, baby. Yep. And uh, yes, we're on YouTube, we're on iTunes, and on Podbean. Yes. And you can find us at, email us at findingthenarrativepodcast at gmail.com. Send us those questions as well. Yeah. Or berate us for being idiots. I don't care. Whatever. If you guys want. (laughs) I don't take it personal. (laughs) So So I think our next show, man... We're gonna be talking. Oh. We're gonna be talking some uh, Tiernoth. Yeah, Realms of Tiernoth review show in two weeks, folks. Yep. Hopefully, we're gonna, we're gonna have Jamie and Stefan um, mm-hmm. from the RPG Brewery. So, and Dragon the Dragons uh, Dragons Toolbox there. Yeah. So, and uh, that looks to be fun. I can't wait to get that book in my hands and start writing up notes for that show. I know. Cause... I hope they call me on Wednesday, man, to come get it. Because I'm, hey, the Fantasy Flight um, Gaming Center is about 10 minutes away from me here. <laughs> 10, 15 minutes away. <laughs> yeah, I got my local game store. I already pre-ordered it. They'll have it for me day of release. So. Nice, nice. Hopefully. All right, well, folks, that's it for us. This is Tony saying, keep rolling them bones. And this is Chris saying, remember the rule of cool and to just have fun. Good night, all. Good night. Good night. 
Finding a Narrative podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned on the show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding a Narrative podcast. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.